What's going on, everybody? It is Thursday, October 14th, and there is no White Sox game today. You have found the Pinwheels and I. I said that so sad. You have found the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Matt Swaski, a.k.a. Southside Zoe, a.k.a. Father Zoe. And with me, as always, Mr. Aldo Soto. I just want to get this out of the way right away. I've never been happier to have my prediction wrong. Fuck the Brewers. Fair enough. And as always... Uh, the coach, K Fids, Kevin Fiddler, who will be joining us momentarily. Uh, we got a lot to talk about this show. Uh, White Sox very, very disappointingly exit in the ALDS. We're going to talk about what happened there and then basically what the offseason is going to look like. Um, really going to lean heavy on the chat tonight too we want to hear from you so if you're live on wednesday night on youtube again subscribe to the page Uh, if you're on facebook you can like the page you can turn on little notifications but you should really go and subscribe on youtube that'd be really cool and uh uh, get in that comment section uh you know it might take us a minute because we got some shit we got to say but we will get to everything in the comment section tonight um so all that being said Let's tap this keg. Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. Yeah. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. <laughs> it's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee. So the whole league that we here now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Straight rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for. Yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah Every season make it all change Take me out to the bar game This is what you waiting for, yeah You can put it on a boy, yeah Every season make it all change Take me out to the bar game This is what you waiting for, yeah You can put it on a boy, yeah Every season as always this show is brought to you by us so go buy some merch linked at the top of the website uh or top of the website type of the twitter page uh there's also a link that you can go ahead and contribute we've already gotten insane amount of very generous contributions which i cannot thank you guys enough thank you so much for all that it's been kind of humbling and took a step back like holy shit people actually digging what we're doing um oh well we can address this question right away right off the bat because it's good thomas thank you guys just found you guys this season do you do a lot of off-season content thomas you can't get rid of us if you tried no we we did (laughs) a show every week even in during the lock like when covid was blocking stuff out like yeah i mean it we do a show almost every week Maybe in the off season we'll skip a week here and there, but Thomas, uh, tell us who your favorite free agent is, and we'll do twenty misleading headlines every week for him. Easily, yeah. We love <laughs> to start rumors on the show just for fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we uh, we got a lot going on. You know, uh, should we just dive into it all? Or we should just dive into it. I mean, yeah, we just have to. It's been like, now like, over twenty four hours now yep. since they lost. I want to start this off by making this very, very clear. 
as the I like that, Thomas. There shout, we go. I mean, White Sox. Thomas, go back in the library. I think there is an episode where we had an entire episode of what, what it would take to have uh, Mike Trout to the White Sox and the Cubs. Yep. <laughs> um, I do want to make this very clear. As our resident diehard White Sox fan on the show, as the guy that rises and dies with this team, I'm not mad right now. Haven't been mad. Was never mad. Just extremely disappointed. I can say that now because I'm a dad. I'm not oh. mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> and I think that I know it's cliche and I know it's corny and it's like a joke, but I feel like that is like the perfect way to describe what happened to the end of this White Sox season. I'm not even mad. I'm just disappointed. And so just to recap, because that's what we do on this show, the White Sox are done for the 2021 season, losing in the ALDS to the Houston Astros. Three games to one. Um, it never really felt close. Uh, Houston won the first two games pretty convincingly in Houston. White Sox took game three in a blowout fashion. Uh, game three was an awesome game. And then mm-hmm. game four of the elimination game, Houston got a lead. Some things didn't go the White Sox way, and the brakes just fell off. And Houston ended up just completely smoking them. And the series was finished with an exclamation point by that little person (laughs) just hitting a three-run tank off of Hendricks. And it was just like, what a way to end it. What a way to end it. So a lot of things went wrong. A lot of things went wrong for the White Sox in this series. A lot of things that – actually, let's go back to what Alex just said in the comments. Again, if you're watching this live, get in the comment section. We're going heavy off the comment section. But what Alex just said is a great point. Alex says, Houston is a really, really good team in the last year of their run. Not too much you can do. And I do think that's overlooked. I think a lot of us as White Sox fans were so hyped about this team that we failed to, like, really – realize how good this Houston team, I mean, they have the AL batting champion batting seventh. Trust me. Mm -hmm. If you watched any of the games, the announcer said it 50 fucking times, but they have the AL batting champion batting seventh. They they're like piranhas, man. Like the old twins teams, they just hit dude. Everyone gets up there. Everyone just hits. Um, And then also their, their infield, the starting four of their infield, I think, and Alex, I know you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they set a record for most consecutive playoff games played together by four uh, the four same infielders? Like it's something oh, wow. like sick like that. Like so, you have all of that going up against a team where it's a lot of these kids' first playoff experience. You know what I mean? And Houston didn't really have the pitching, but White Sox really didn't have the pitching. And it's just this Houston team, though. Every batter that came up was clinch your butt time. You know what I mean? It was just like the only one that you would take a breath on was uh, their catcher, Machete. And he even at the game four hit a bullet up the middle to score a run that in a crucial situation. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I mean, yeah. and, no, I, and I brought it up on the, on the game three stream that we were doing at the end of the game. I was like, Maldonado was terrible. And obviously he hit like one something in the regular season, but he still had like, you know, double digit home runs. And even in the first three games when he was like 0 for 10, 0 for 12, or whatever it was, he was on fastballs. I know, again, it's going to be like, yeah, but like he was he was hitless. But he drove a couple balls deep. And like if you throw a fastball enough and a guy is seeing it, 
he still has the ability. He's still a major league hitter. And we saw that against Kopik, uh, that big hit when, uh, yep. you know, it was still a tight game there and Kopik couldn't really shut him yeah. down. And I'm not going to play because I don't know what the, what the copyright rules are. I don't know how that works, but one of my influences, one of the guys I look up to in the podcasting, whatever world is Lawrence Holmes. I think Lawrence, Lawrence to me is a true OG. I met Lawrence. I've met Lawrence a million times because of, you know, my cousin and all that shit. But I saw him about two years ago at a 108 event, actually. And I was talking to him and I was just like, yeah, I got this pinwheels and Ivy going on and all this stuff. And I was like, and then we were talking, I was like, yeah, Lawrence, I'm just trying to be like you, man. And he stopped me. (laughs) Dead sentence. He stopped me. And he looked me right in the eye. He goes, don't be me be better and i was like dude that's such a fucking cool thing to say like holy shit you know what i mean i was just like wow that's a cool thing to say but he went on he was pissed and i'm not going to recite it word for word but the point that he made was and we were talking about this pre-show me and aldo the things that all the white Sox blogs and podcasts and fans on twitter and everything were pointing out that they were worried about that the team and other people were telling you, don't worry about the not winning on the road, not beating teams above 500, having shitty defense, not bringing in runners and scoring positions with situational hitting. Like we were, you know what? I'm going to play. I think, I think it's pretty to play. We're going to give credit. Can you, can you hear it right now? No, no. Wait, hold on. I think we can play. It's like a two minute clip, but keep talking. But like, all those things that people were worried about came to fruition in the very first playoff series. They, the defense was not good. They didn't win on the road. They got smoked by a team over 500 and they left a ton of runners on base. And you add that up and it's just like, there's your three, one exit in the first round. And yes, it is 100% disappointing. I mean, I think, yeah, I guess the team over 500 doesn't matter as much, but and yes, Ralph, 100% in the comment that is if this was Pee Wee's Magic Playhouse, that would be the word that everyone goes crazy over. <laughs> Are you ready to hear the clip? That word is walks. Yeah, go ahead. Championship series. This kind of feels like a failure. Keep that energy, cause it was. It wasn't a failure just because they lost the series. It's a failure because of how they lost the series. It's a failure because every time any one of us who had anything to say about the White Sox being like, man, this is weird that they don't play well against good teams. Or, man, this is weird that they don't win on the road. Man, this is weird that they don't really play good defense or have good situational hitting. We're shouted down by the people at 35th and Shield who told you, don't worry, once the playoffs start, it's a brand new season. And what happened in the playoff? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't have good defense. They didn't do situational hitting. They didn't beat a good team. We celebrated them winning the division. We did two shows celebrating them winning the division. So don't think that that's not valuable. It is. But growth is not linear all the time. You're not entitled now, now the next step is winning another game in the playoffs. The next step is them going to the league championship series. 
you're gonna have you're gonna have players that are gonna grow. Luis Roberts should grow next year. But yep. what about Jose Abreu? He old. Every season is its own entity, and this White Sox team better take some real, some real hard looks at how it's constructed, how it's managed. Boop. And be honest. <laughs> be honest with yourself. Did you really do all that you could do to make this team better? Because everything that everyone thought, I don't know, when it comes to the White Sox in the playoffs, was out there for you and for the nation to see. And what they saw was a team that when they were pushed, they couldn't push back, except for game three. They played a good half a game. That's how he finishes it. It's awesome. It's Lawrence Holmes, 670 to score. Yeah, yeah Lawrence Holmes, 670 to score. Make sure you find him uh, noon to two, and he's also the president and CEO of the House of L podcast. Make sure you listen to that as well. I want to give him all the credit in the world for that clip because it was awesome. What up, K-Fids? Okay. Oh, hi, guys. I mean, Kevin, this is a perfect timing because you tweeted it out the other day, and, you know, Lawrence, he had the subtle, you know, look yeah. at, at near the end. I want to ask both of you guys because, obviously, it's been the, the biggest storyline outside of the players this entire year. We're waiting for the playoffs. Tony LaRusse is managing the moves, the bullpen, the fundamentals. What do you guys got? Because I, I said I could not believe – or it's not I couldn't believe because I, I told you guys, Lance Lynn is his boy. And I think, Kevin, you tweeted out, that kind of set the tone of game one, you did not go with your best option. And again, it's not like Lucas Giolito like shut them down in game two or anything. But I, oh, yeah. I again, it just, it just, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously the White Sox didn't lose because of Tony LaRusse or anything he did. You know, the, play, the players at the end, they're going to execute, they're not going to execute. But man, it, it seemed like a, there was a lot of times in the series that Tony did not put his players in the best spot to succeed. I mean, you, you. I mean, you, you do. You set. I mean, there were some people that were you're, were were sounding pretty ecstatic about the Lynn starting game one, but I mean, like in the face of so much data that said that it's a horrible idea, they it seemed like they forced an issue that kind of to, hey, I'll prove you wrong, like I'll prove the numbers wrong. We'll find. But it it was exactly what it was. He's a guy that pitches directly to the strengths of the Houston Astros, and he got lit. And he, what did he throw in that in that game specifically? Wasn't it like the the most fastballs thrown yep. in a single game, like or a percentage of a fastballs thrown by a starting pitcher in a in a playoff game? Like he was, he literally played to like what? The, so that right there sets the tone. I don't know what that tells the locker room, but it, it 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 literally puts you against the eight ball immediately out of the gate because that game that you want to steal in the playoffs is that first game because it's it's when you're going to catch somebody flat. They're going to balance out usually in game two. You, usually that game one is where you can sting somebody and. And the White Sox went into Houston literally with a, a a a really bad situation to begin with, and they were fucked from the start. Pardon my language. They they and it, it showed, and that to me, and again, we've talked on this show a billion times. I told you guys wait till October to 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 give your criticism. To, for at least for me, I'll wait till October to give my criticisms of Tony Larusa because really, what mattered to me was October for Tony Larusa. The regular season, you get there and then you play. You know, and everyone has a chance, but. That decision right there, um, I, I do think he made some really good decisions in the face of criticism, like starting Lurie, where everyone was crapping the bed because Lurie started, and then he hits the game-changing home run in game, what is game three or whatever. So, I mean, there were good moves too, but I just uh, the Lance Lynn thing to me is going to loom large as as the decision that showed 
that they went in with the wrong approach as a whole. And yep. that's where they lost the series, I believe. D- does it mean Tony LaRusso failed? I-, I think so. But how bad is a failure? I don't know. Like So I- I'm with you, Kat. I'm, I'm riding with you. I agree with you on what you just said. What I think, though, I think they lost the series in game two when he didn't use Michael Kopech. Mm-hmm. That was that to me. They had the lead. Shit was flowing. Kopech was fresh. He was rested. He was there. He was readily available to use, mm-hmm. and he just didn't use him. He waited to game three to use him. When he came in game three, he fucking shut shit down, and that made it me even more frustrated because it was just like you could have stole one in Houston. You could have <laughs> stole one in Houston. My criticism for game two starts with again that should have been the Rodon game to me. The Rodon. No. No, see, that's that's the thing I will get the one thing I will give Tony Larusa not even like a pass or whatever. The Sox were just what Carlos Rodon was, yeah. Yeah, the Sox were their entire like rotation, their pitching staff was like their plan of what they had what they thought they had like in the middle of the season when everybody was rolling, it was completely derailed once Rodon was not hundred percent since August. And we saw that game four. He he only went he only he, he only went like fifty pitches. He was out of it. He was you know, out of gas. He had nothing left. I do believe that first inning he was trying to prove that he wasn't out of gas, and that's why you're you know, seeing him hit ninety seven on the gun. Ninety nine. Yeah, he was trying to overthrow, uh, and he he basically he popped. He blew his load. He blew his load in the first, and and that's what happened. In the second, everything just fell apart for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but and Thomas right there on the on the chat says it too. Everybody got rocked. Like name one pitcher for the White Sox that got the job done besides mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know um is the only one that got it done. Col- Crochet, my God! Now, I'm going to say this. I'll criticize this too. How many times are you going to use a rookie that looks like lost in a postseason game? And, and he did it in Game Four, and it, it ended. It really put the game away. Like the, the going to Kopech was it? That was a Game Four. They went to Kopech and Kopech. Like it was like walk, game. walk, and double or whatever on his third well, guy. That was game. Well, that was game. But no, so I'm glad you brought up Kopik again because though, and again, you. I mean, you weren't the only one who brought it up. Like should have brought in Kopik game two, but even Michael Kopik when he was using game three, at, at no point was Michael Kopik the Michael Kopik we saw early in the season. Because mm-hmm. he honestly he he wasn't good either. He didn't shut them down either. He gave no. up three runs on that Sunday game. Yeah, he looked good, but I, I know what you mean though. Like he. I just the re- and then game I've, four he couldn't he game, wasn't but then there was then yeah then there was no reason to use him in game four like, that's right and that was the other thing it's like they literally said and that's the other thing that we come down to like the decisions that, yes. that are made by uh, coaching staff they literally said Michael Kopech not available today why not available today and and that was fine Tony everybody would have been okay with it why he just threw forty seven pitches two days ago I don't think at any point this season. Kopik pitched that many innings and then pitched two days later. And I know. So, so you're Heinz, asking a guy to do something he hasn't done since he was a starting right. like ever. <laughs> and for people listening, I'm sure there's a bunch of people listening right now that are like, oh, yeah, well, hindsight makes this shit so much easier. These are all feelings that I know we all had while it was yeah. happening in real time. And before. Yeah, and before it happened. And so, and also in game four, and I, this is a big time hindsight point, though. Carlos Rodon should not have pitched to Correa. No, I agree. I no. agree. I was surprised. Geo should not have after after Geo gave up that 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 leadoff. What was it? A walk in his and gave up. And he should have been gone after the walk. Yep. Yes, he gave up a deep fly ball. I remember that balls hit hard. But I remember that because Geo came out in the fifth inning, right? 
Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's that, crochet, right? Was that crochet? Yeah, that was crochet Luke? after. Walk, was I remember. Walk, walk, and and yeah, and yeah that I was mean, crochet two day, two games in a row, and he didn't look that great either. Game one. <laughs> and, I mean, but here's the thing: out of all these things, what what can it go back to? Houston's fucking lineup is just if you, you have to be perfect, and they yep. weren't even close. You literally have to be perfect. And, and I need to preface this, and I think we should preface this with everything. And for White Sox fans that are terribly disappointing, yes, it sucks and it hurts. And White Sox lost and they got beat. But guess what? This is why you have to understand. And I know it's been, I don't mean a joke, but I know it's been a bit. But this is it, it's not a video game. It's fucking hard to win a World Series. And every team that's there right now is fucking good. Look at the look at the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. They 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 were the, the darlings of the of the whole thing. And the Red Sox went in and hit them in the fucking mouth. You know why? Because everybody in the postseason is good. You made it that far for a reason. The the the, the pieces are there to do it. And Houston is a very good ball club. I, I think that I want to I want to flush them down the toilet. I think they're turds. I I I, I hate them, but they're good. Uh, they are. They have a guy what hitting seventh that had an OPS like above like eight eight fifty or whatever. Like who does that? And you have you know good baseball teams. It's not it's you don't just no one lays down and dies for you and says just good luck White Sox. Aha, uh-huh. correct, Alex. The, the Dodgers they have had the most talented team in baseball for five years. I think at this point they've got one sixty game season title to show for it, which was a sixty game season. They have nothing left, and they're on the verge of possibly a, 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 what a fifth or sixth season now of having all that money and all that talent and. Bye. So it's not easy. Even the most talented teams get stung by a Florida Marlins. And so it, it, it happens. And it's just, it's very difficult, but you have to put yourself in the best positions to at least have a shot against good baseball teams. And, and I think the decisions, and I think that the biggest decisions that the White Sox made that affected the series negatively were all on paper, not as much in game because it sets a tone and then you, all of a sudden, you start out the immediately in a, in, in a series on your heels backpedaling. That's no way to start a series. You should be going forward into a series, and they should have started their best. I, again, I, Gio, Gio should have started game one, period, to me. Gio goes out in game one and deals and shoves. This whole series changes because it sucks the life right out of Houston. But they let Houston believe, and then at that point, though everything just gets, and it, and it builds up. And they, they opened the door, and Houston kicked it wide open. And that they, they cracked it and they kicked it. Should have won game two. And I mean, we're going to sit here and we're harping on all, all the pitching, which it was a huge aspect of this whole team. Score run. But the other part is they didn't have an extra base hit till game three. I mean, they had like what, like 18 singles. Cool. But like you. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure you guys saw the set, but I'll read it again from Joe Ostrowski against 670 score. Tim Anderson, Yoan Mankata, Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez combined for zero extra base hits. 28 hits. And Luis Roberts, in Luis Roberts' defense, he pinged like two BBs off the wall that in Houston went right Mm -hmm. to the fielder. And the other thing is, like, I mean, Tim Anderson, he did his job. He he hit like 360 in the series. But the other guys, you're. Well, here, I mean, we can do this just as like a a compliment or an opposite compliment sandwich. Some of the positives were Ryan Tapera, Luis Robert. Everybody said this was going to be a breakout for him. He didn't really have the power that we wanted him to have, but fuck, man. He was hitting all over the place. He got on base. He did his thing. He came out of game four with leg tightness. I think that was more just, you're the future. We're going to start the bubble wrap now. Um, Tim Anderson setting MLB records for most hits in first consecutive playoff games. I mean, those are Gavin Sheets. 
Gavin oh, Sheets. Gavin Sheets, Gavin Wait, Sheets is your no best fear. hitter. No Gavin fear. Sheets was working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car six months ago, and now he's dh for the White Sox, hitting tanks over the center field wall. Our guy. Uh, George, he, uh, he, he was the one White Sox player to me that looked like he wasn't caught staring at the pinstripes or staring at the, the bright lights. He looked like the one guy that was out there just playing baseball because it was baseball. And he did it in game four, too. Like that double. I mean, everyone – He's home run I mean, and a double, yeah. Yep. I mean, oh yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, Jordan, Jordan Lazowski brought it perfectly. Jordan Lazowski brought it perfectly because Lance McCullers started Game Four and obviously he dominated the Sox Game One. Like had ever, like Sox had nothing against his breaking pitches, like the curveball, the slider. They could not hit it. The White Sox early on, it, they were sitting off speed and like they got to him a little bit. They they were spitting on some pitches. They drew a couple walks early on. Gavin Sheets had the home run. But then later on, it, it it just seemed like they just completely like forgot the game plan, or it just reverted back to game one again. It, except for Gavin Sheets, Gavin Sheets was still bailing in there. I've heard I've heard so many great coaches break down how do you win playoff games, uh, and, and and they simplify it to such a fantastic level. You can win playoff games consistently with one, or well, two of three things really is quality defense, good pitching, but not just offense. Timely hitting, timely hitting. You can't, it, you know, some teams might go out there and, you know, you get two outs and then they get a couple single. You, you've seen this with the Cubs, Aldo. They get, they get two outs at the inning to start and then they get a couple hits. You get guys on first and second with two outs. Like that's it. You need guys that load, you know, start it off, lead off an inning, move the, t- you move, move the line and get guys. And every time they get moved the line, you get guys on first and second, nobody out. And like, like it, Puto, you know, Pito hits into a double play or, or Grandal hits into a double play. You have so many good moments to create a, crooked number and create some havoc and it all ends up in a, in a rollover, which is also bad luck, but you also got to tip your cap to the pitchers for making really yeah. good pitches in those situations. Instead of shitting the bed, they went right at it and they got something heavy and they got the ground ball they needed. And I feel like the white Sox, every big moment we're like, Oh God, yeah, guys on first and second, nobody out, let's roll. And then someone rolls something. Now, you know, Elo, Elo hits that hits 105 mile an hour exit velocity ground ball directly to the second baseman because he pulled off a baseball a little bit with guys on first and second, ground out, double play ball, boom. All of a sudden, it's guy on third, two outs, pop out, inning over. It's that fast. Mm-hmm. Timely hitting. Look at what Houston did. They would string together three, four, five hits consecutively, and that's how you make – that's how you win postseason games is because you create crooked – in terms of the uh, – Houston did a great job of just like they were taking a lot of – or not a lot. No, I think it was a lot of, uh, you know, opposite field hits and get just finding holes. But that was another thing that goes back to, like, the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. The shifting was awful. Yep. The shifting was – there was players where it's like – Yeah. Like, the, <laughs> no, the, spe- the great thing about baseball now, especially – I mean, for any sport, you can look up anything you want. You can look up, you know, what do teams do against Carlos Correa on a one-two pitch with a runner on and whatever. You can look up whatever. Alex Rude can tell us what (laughs) uh, Jose Abreu hits on Tuesdays when he has had a Chicago-style hot dog for lunch and an an Italian beef dinner and a Portillo's chocolate cake the night before. He could tell us what his numbers are. Going into that game, you know, like into that game and games after that or whatever. Like, it, there's so many different weird numbers. And, and but here's the thing that how it relates back to to the White Sox and shifting or the lack of shifting that they did against Houston. Almost every single big hit, every back breaking two out like RBI up single up the up middle, middle up or the middle, like through the, the hole middle, up the middle. Could you can look shifted. again. Shout out to Jordan Lazowski. Almost every one of those big hits, you can see where teams all season shifted on guys. 
and the White Sox were not there. Who calls chips? That that and that is that Cairo or is that is that uh is that whoever it is? What are you guys doing? That's actually my question. But here's the thing: if you had a, 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 we'll talk about Tony. You know, Tony. Tony, by the way, Tony originally he's the godfather of the two out shift or the, the, the it's not the two out but the the bottom of the last inning gotta gotta cut the runner out at the plate shift the uh, the bring in the center fielder put him on top of second move the middle a little bit to the side and put the outfielders right field left fielder in the gaps instead and then play that whole infield thing that's a Tony Larusa special he's the guy that like coined that thing like I've used it a million times in like big situations it's so weird to me that he isn't like diehard shift guy. Like you think a guy that like completely like coined one of the best shifts or my favorite shift. It's 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 most exciting shift for me because it, it means we either fuck up or we win or we at least get out of an inning. And I love that. And, but he's not he he's so he's actually like averse to it, which is weird. Like to me, I would figure like he'd be like straight up all about it because he he was an original analytics video. You know, his the the cave that they created in St. Louis, by the way, if you've never heard of the cave, he's one of the guys that like created helped create video swing analysis in-game stuff they had a cave in st louis that it, it, throughout his time there where they had a dude that they hired that he was like the godfather of like video swing analysis um and he's like but he's not like he they don't shift and i'm yeah and, and you look tip your cap to houston too look houston proved that in this three outcome day and age that you can put a ball in play but it's not just weekly just making sure you make contact it's putting a ball in play and hitting it hard wherever it's pitched dude how many doubles did houston line to the corners Boom! Like it was like it. I was like, "This is a fucking video game." Like they're just hitting the ball to the fucking corners and time and situation. And then finally, to talk about the series, let's talk about some of the magicians on the White Sox that magically disappeared. Uh, Starting starting off, no, Kane guy's a legend. Don't fuck with Uh, Kane guy. No, I'm with Beef Love. Where the fuck was he game four? They moved his Where seat. Where the spells? They try to upgrade his seat. He wasn't in the same seat. They oh, fucked up. Well, White Sox, he fucked up. There you go. Game was White over. White Sox fucked up. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some of the magicians on the team. Guys that disappeared. Oh, oh. Uh, we got starting off without a doubt, magician number one, the David Copperfield of the series, Aloy Jimenez, who went five for seventeen. He had three RBIs. He did have three RBIs, so he's not the worst. No, see, that's the, the thing. Dispute, I was going to look like, up the, the batting averages. Eloy, Eloy Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, and Jose Abreu. They all had high batting averages. None of them had extra Eloy. bases. 294 for Eloy. He went 5 for 17 with three RBIs, five strikeouts, uh, with an on-base percentage of 294. Yeah. Next on the list. Yoan Mankata, he went four for 16. He scored twice, no RBIs, walked once, struck out three times, batted 250 with uh, OB, OBP of 294. Oh, uh, I hate to do this to him. I don't even want to do this to him. I got to do it to him. Do it. Lurie Garcia, who had the fucking bomb-ass home run. Bomb-ass home run. It was fucking wild. I said I would never talk shit again about Lurie. Batted 200. <laughs> but, uh, but timely hitting. He, he went. He went three for fifteen. Scored oh, three shit. times. He had a double, a home run, four RBIs, one walk. He struck out seven times. By the way, by the way, Larry Garcia. I know. Obviously, he had the biggest hit for the Sox that series. Yes. But also, that came with Dusty Baker taking out his pitcher mid at bat, bat to bring in a right-handed pitcher who was traded to 
or who was brought in by Houston to get right-handed hitters out, not lefties. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I thought I thought Dusty's handling of his staff as a, as a whole was so weird I, yes. when they were in Game One, and they were up handily, and he's using his 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 dudes in Game oh, his, One, his setup man and closer. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, what are you doing? But you know what? Dusty's gonna Dusty in a seven game series. That shit. Somebody's not gonna be as sharp. Yep. Late and if you then, keep doing that bullshit. I think the Red Sox. I I'm rooting for the Red Sox, by the way. But so I think I. I I think that might be a fun series. I I again I I love Just, Dusty Baker. Look, I'm think as a Cup fans, we all appreciate him. We appreciate the toothpick and the wristband for no apparent reason. Um, but we we, so we, we like do you. <laughs> and now now he's wearing the black gloves too. So now he's got like now he looks like he literally is Dexter trying to like. You know, murder like, the socks. Yeah, murder the socks. But he and he wore black ones too, which is really funny. Uh, but um, I, I I am happy for him in that sense because again, I don't hate Dusty Baker at all. I love Dusty Baker. He was a progressive dude. He he was at a, a really bad point, you know, a low point for the Cubs. But what should have been a high point was the Cubs got to the NLCS. Like it was uh, it was great. But he did also fall on that sword a little bit because he did. He handled pitchers poorly. I I actually blame him for Mark Pryor and Kerry Woods' arm injury. I 100. Well, no, I, Mark Pryor, not Kerry Wood. I blame Kerry Woods high school coach for his injury because the curveball he was throwing at, at like 16 or 15 was I blame so Chris Bryant's. But, but <laughs> you the what? I blame Chris Bryant's high school coach. Wow, no. <laughs> you can blame Chris Bryant's high school coach for his performance in this uh, this uh, NLC uh, DS. Oh, that's, that's my right. fault. I mean, Kevin needs to send a resume to the Sox maybe. Hey, <laughs> hey, Minichino, I'm coming for your job, bitch. No. Who, who's next, though? How'd your boy Caesar do? No, we're not even at Caesar. All right, wait. Who's? I mean, Grandall. Grandall. He walked at least a little bit, but he rolled over a ton too. No, he, he batted one forty three. That's what did he, he does. Make, did he take walks though? He didn't do what he does, right? He didn't he take walks. twice. Exactly. See, he nah. walked twice in fourteen at bats. He walked <laughs> twice in fourteen at bats. He struck out three times. He had two hits. One of them was the home run, which again, cool. Yeah, cool. But. The, the <laughs> you, most... you, can't, you can't love the 140 you can accept when he's walking three times a game. You can't accept the 140 when he's not walking. Like yep. shit. Um, <laughs> the Jordan, the Jordan, because he gets on base. It was because he's not doing shit right now. Is what it was at that point, which sucks. The most infuriate. We've talked about a lot of shit in the, for the last 35 minutes that would make any White Sox fans' blood boil. The most infuriating thing that happened this entire series. Two outs, two men on. Pivotal point in this game. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Pivotal point in this game. What was it? What was it? Pivotal point. Two outs, two on. Cesar Hernandez comes up to the plate. You say that over and over again. Comes up to the plate. Doesn't take the fucking bat off his shoulder. Sat there like a goddamn statue. It looked like he was staring at a fucking magic eye pitcher trying to see the fucking sailboat for five pitches and sat right the fuck back down. Hey, Alex, I love the 286 average and the 545 OBP. I love when he takes walks with two outs when his team's down six. Looks great. But you know what? When it mattered most, he looked like... It was too big. He, he was smaller than the moment. In the biggest moment that he had, he didn't take the bat off his shoulder. He looked scared. He looked scared. Yeah. It's just I go with Bill on that. I was yeah. that that bat to me. I don't even give a shit about the rest of his stats. That a bat to me. I mean, it they 100 percent outcome bias at that point. Like I can't, I can't. At that point, I was like, he looked scared. 
Now he he took a he had a nice base hit again with two outs when the when they were down was it like six to one at that point with two there there's timely hitting timely hitting and and this is the knock on Chris Bryant too by the way we talk about this all the time it's it is you you build a legacy and a legend in the moments that matter you can be quietly consistent all over the place but the moments that matter people remember before we go into the anything Chris Bryant. No, 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 no. Um, about the moments that matter, though. Right. No, and you're you are right. You are right, one hundred percent. But like, here's what I want to make sure I address before I get it in the comments. This has nothing to do with he took Madrigal's spot. The Madrigal trade happened like ten years ago in my fucking mind. I'm over. It's done. Alex so is coming for you. You have to realize, like, I have this magical ability of not being biased because the player I liked is gone. Like, it's crazy to think that. I know. It's fucking wild. But I, I somehow possess this ability. I'm judging Cesar Hernandez off of the play that I've seen since he's come to the White Sox. Man. And that that one at bat will forever eat away at me. Because it just, it was so, the fact that his bat never left his fucking shoulder <laughs> in such a clutch situation just drove me up a fucking wall. And I'm not on some huge, like, anti-Cesar Hernandez campaign. I'm not going to hashtag Dunham, even though one of you two got on the Pinwheels account and tried to get me to do it yet. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I was curious. But I'm not done with him by any means. I mean, the dude has... I don't has, think they're going to pick up his option. He has a very good glove. I mean, very, I, very I, good mean Zoe, I think the Sox are done with him. I think they are. I don't... I don't... <laughs> but, I mean, I guess this is a good segue. Well, I, I look, oh, you just ahead. you just insulted Caesar, and this is Alex walking down to confront you about it. You and your sound effects, man. <laughs> it is October. He's coming for you. He's coming for you. But I mean, it's just he didn't do shit since the. I mean, exactly. the trade deadline in hindsight now was a complete failure for the White Sox. Ah, uh, you got right, Tapera. Okay, so it was like. Who, 90, who you got, you got trade bait, trade bait with Kimbrel. You can trade yeah. him to the again. I guess I, I should. I guess I should hold off on that statement until they. I see what they trade Kimbrel for. Uh, Bryce Harper. Do you, wait, do you guys want to um, get into that right now or a little later? Because I, I. What do you got? I feel like you. Well, is there any more about the playoff series that we need to really address yeah, before yeah, we move on? Like, all the team. peripheral stuff that now the fallout from this, like, because again, um, I looked. At, did did you not? Go Red Sox. I can I say so about Eloy. I feel like Eloy completely changed his approach once he got to the postseason. He I feel looked like so tight. He was trying to pull and hit everything out of the ballpark. He, he didn't look like bad for a month. What he did. And, and he did. He did. He did. And uh, you know what? Luis Robert, I, I, he was my guy to like, kind of like superstar it up. He wasn't, he wasn't bad. I, I do feel like his defense in center, I don't feel like he got a great reading on a couple balls too. Um, but I, I, I there, there, no, just nobody showed. Like no, nobody. Well, she's kind of did, but there wasn't anybody. That, well, Tim Anderson did, I guess too. You can really talk about Tim, but like, but there, it didn't feel like anybody really like. Where was where was where was your Thor? Where was your savior? Where was your? I don't know. There's there's no, always I get what you're saying. There's always someone that like just like just breaks the window and like everyone falls and then crawls in with you. Like nobody did that. Like they just kind of just everyone was just kind of hung back at the back and said. Is someone going to do this? Or and by the time someone decided they'd try, it was too late. It, like, it really felt like everyone was deferring, looking for a hero, and they were they're, they were holding out for a hero till the end of the night. Hero, right? I, mean, I think I think we're be... go full circle here. 
like going back to you know the Lawrence Holmes uh, comments, it just we saw what the Sox were the everything that the Sox did wrong during the regular season showed up in the postseason. What what was they led like the American League or they were like top two or three in ground ball percentage. What did we see against a pitching staff that induces a lot of ground balls, a lot of ground balls, mm-hmm. and it just you just faced a better offensive team, got beat. Yep. Uh, I, I, it's just, I, I can't believe that all last week, all seven of seven of us, not, I mean, obviously, you know, we had like what five Sox fans on, right? But and we were no, there too. wasn't even like a, like an they, inch of, oh, yeah, I, I think Houston's going to give us some I problem. I think I, I do think I said I'm very nervous about Houston. I said if they, okay. beat, they get past Houston, they got a pretty clear oh. lane, which now that Boston beat Tampa. Yeah. I think the White Sox would smoke the Red Sox in a seven-game series. So we, I know we like to, to plug out um, when Jeff Passan murders somebody. He murdered himself. Yeah, well, let's talk about Carlos Rodon murdering somebody. No, uh, I don't want to talk. Don't give that. No, don't give that fucking call. He already deleted his account. I'm not it even going to get into it. He said, I ain't seen a pic of a girl on your page except your mom. Seems to me you're the rat-looking ass. So some loser thought he was fucking... <laughs> Thought he was thought he would waste his energy to message Rodon on Instagram about how he has time now on his couch. Didn't expect any kind of smoke back, and Rodon just went oh, in on him and shared it with John Boy too. And then Tommy this and kid that trip to Breckenridge, and then this kid posted it on Twitter, thinking like, "Ah, look at I got this guy fired up," and he got. Right away, just everyone jumped on him. Yeah, of course he's an Astros fan. Yeah, jumped uh. on him, being like, "Dude, no, you're taking a huge L here, you fucking dork." <laughs> so much so that he just deleted his account. Like, he <laughs> deleted his Twitter account. Carlos Rodon knew to go. Mommy and daddy paid for your trip specifically to Breckenridge. That is like mm-hmm. the ultimate mommy and daddy. Like, let's go. We're gonna go. We're gonna go skiing. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Rodon <laughs> buried this kid. And I mean, oh. you don't one family that you don't want to come at on social media. Oh, the is the Rodons, because yeah. if Carlos doesn't go at you, his wife will will murder you. Stick the way, with the, your family. One last thing on the series. I think we've gone through like the you know the fair mm-hmm. stuff. The, by the way, we, got, we we addressed it a little on the Sunday stream, uh, so But starting pitching, I mean, we talked about it with Lynn, with Cease, Bad, Rodon. Mm-hmm. I, I just I it's, I find it hard for me to like. You know, be like, oh, Rodon was bad. Like, I just he, I don't think he was 100. So I can't be like, uh, this guy was right. bad. Like he was just throwing anything he had out there. Um, but what were the White Sox doing? Uh, giving away dish towels for Game Four or dish rags? I don't think they expected a Game Four to happen. <laughs> um, also, no, they were literally. It was like a like a just wholesale order of dish black blank black dish rags for their so, rally towels yeah it was terrible alex posted a picture of it it, was, it literally yeah. looked like something you stole from your mom's house like you carried them <laughs> you carried a hot plate out of like a family dinner and you like found that in your car three months later and you're like where the fuck did that come from and you're like oh I, yeah anyways oh uh front of the show my sock summer said it was a supply chain issue which those do happen with, especially now. There's all kinds of crazy okay, shit. Okay. Is is that what took is is that what took my uh, my new 108 shirt so long to get here? It was a supply chain. <laughs> Ordered it seven fucking weeks ago. No, it's AOL. It's dial up. It's fine. Um, I got two things. One, I'm pretty sure I brought off, brought up in our preview show the White Sox not holding runners on. Oh, I mean, it's not you, dude. The the great. Pudge Rodriguez 
wouldn't be able to throw these guys out. They got fucking 10-step jumps on the ball because no one's even fucking looking at them. They're halfway down the goddamn line when the pitcher starts his motion. Yeah. What the fuck is Yaz supposed to do? You can't right. put and that, that on Yaz. And that's another thing well, that, that happened during the entire regular season. Yes. It, they brought it up before the playoffs. We're yes. going to address this. We have a game plan. Where the fuck was it? I, and you know what, though? Not to because I, I know that that bails Yaz out for a few things. His 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 blocking at the plate was dog shit. I'll, I'll just I'll just yeah, say. Oh this. no, it wasn't good by any means. And I'm bad. not trying to excuse his play. I'm no, just saying. No, that I mean, that he, was, was, he was he was he was overcommitting. He was he was he was he wasn't squaring down. He was getting bad caroms too, man. He wasn't doing like he gave up a few extra bases because he you know. And I'm watching Maldonado, which which made it worse. It actually made it worse for Yaz because Maldonado is such an yeah. incredible defensive catcher. Every ball in the dirt, even on an off speed, which is spinning away, and you've got to you've got to position yourself and you've got to have the proper angle. And he he's knocking baseballs straight down. Yaz, it's carrying him off. It's going off the shoulder. It's spinning off, and guys are taking extra bases. That kind of stuff isn't Yaz. That's not Yaz. No. He's good. I mean, Kyle Tucker. First of all, one fuck Kyle Tucker. Two, I love you, Kyle Tucker. Come play for the White Sox. But uh, he's twenty-four. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know he's so good though. You're gonna Damn, be facing dude. him for a long time. He's a, right now. If you go to MLB.com and you sort of playoff uh, batting stats, he's top dog. But um, hits a base hit and literally moonwalks to second. Next pitch does cartwheels to third, and it's like, oh sweet, we just gave him a runner on third with no outs. That's a good strategy. Like it's, it was so infuriating because we brought it up on this show. It's been brought up on a million other podcasts too. How the White Sox don't hold runners, and fuck, it just boom. I mean, Kyle Tucker is just free. he's just he really that good. dude is a he is a name you're we are going to hear about for a long time, and he gets plus one points in the book of Zoe because he doesn't wear batting gloves. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's straight G shit right there. And then two, I think one of the positives that does come out of this series, I mean, trying to make a positive out of a negative, is it 1,000% exposed the glaring needs this team has in the offseason. Like that transition? Look at that. Look at that fucking Ooh, transition. Ooh, that's a good segue. Well, that was a segue and a half. But oh. it – <laughs> I was like, don't give me the fail horn. That was actually a good one. But, this is just so funny. So what do the White Sox need? The White Sox need a right fielder. I need a fart sound effect in here, I swear to God. Wait, what about Adam Angle? White Sox need a right fielder. Adam Angle. Gavin uh, Sheets. Kimbrell for Bryce Harper. Hello. White Sox need a right fielder. Gavin Sheets. DH. White Sox need a second Andrew baseman. Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn. Larry Garcia. Andrew Vaughn. White Sox need a second baseman. You can play Larry everywhere. Garcia. Jack of all uh, trades. He's a really a Swiss, Ar Swiss Army knife. White Sox Ronnie need Gonzalez. a better backup catcher. Yes. Bryce Harper. They need a catcher who, if needed to, can come in as a defensive Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber. Um, White Sox need – they need pitching, dude. Can pitch. You, I can't believe I have to say that. I can't believe I'm I, saying that. Actually, you know, I was thinking about this, and After I know it was such season, a weird have. season – because obviously these guys were put in the bullpen and then they made a or Kopech made like a couple spot starts or like, you know, pitched four or five innings. Mm -hmm. Are you confident enough in, in Kopech and Crochet? Cause I saw a lot of that immediately after it's like, get rid of Keuchel, put Kopech and Crochet in the rotation, go from there. Are you confident enough that both of those guys, once they're trained, I mean, Crochet, I know, there's a question mark, but like, there's still, I think, the plan of him being the rotation. 
And obviously with Kopech, you know, he was coming back from not pitching for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, are you confident enough right now and be like, I can trust Kopech and Crochet to be in the rotation and be good right away, 2022? Kopech does Crochet now. Yeah, because I think Crochet, I know the numbers look good, but every when I see him, I, I, the fastball does, I, I, I don't know, the fastball did just didn't pop this year. Right. I mean, I think Michael Kopech needs to be a starter next year. I think that's why the strategy of his stretching out towards the end of the season, like the last month or so, there's so many opportunities when they could have spot started him. And like, if, if he was, if you were stretching him out, you, you could have started him. Maybe one of those. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) What was their plan? What were they thinking? But no, I don't think Garrett Crochet is anywhere close to being a starter. I don't know if he ever will be, to be honest with you. Uh, you know what? I I I I am glad uh, I got Alex by the way. I think that yeah, no. Uh you know what? I do actually think that he might need to I, I'm actually not super impressed with him out of the pen. I think that they'd actually I think that being able to take start a game and go through the process, the slow process of getting prepared and getting in as a starter in a starter's role actually might be better for Crochet because it seems to be, at least to me, that he is not really that great. When he has like a speed, it's 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 something that has been coming up more often than not in the last couple days. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You mentioned two free agent spots. Here, here is the the question that we're talking about, given to us by uh, Thomas Duran. Again, thank you for listening, Thomas. Appreciate you. The the comment is: I heard Sox Machine podcast last night. Shout out Josh and Jim talking about trading Aloy to balance the lineup thoughts on that. This has become more and more wow. of a thing <laughs> ever since the, he's had a re, he had a really shitty end of the season. Mm-hmm. He had a really shitty playoffs. And this is definitely one of those situations where you, what I'm asking Sox fans to do is remove yourself from the Homerism fandom of this. Like think of this as from a business side of things. So as we're talking about all these needs that the White Sox have, and it's a great, you know, it, it, it's there and everybody knows it. But the question that needs to follow up the question, the discussion about needs is what do the Sox have of value? Cause the free agent market for second baseman is dog shit. The right. They can probably find a pretty good out- outfielder, but pitching no. And what do the White Sox have of any value? Farm system shit. Yeah, like Farms. one guy. Yeah. Kelly. Yeah. Far- and he's had a ton he's of like, injuries too. He's like 19. Yeah. <laughs> you got Kelly and you got Cespedes. But. Colas. And Colas. supposedly that's going to happen in a month or so. But what do the White Sox have of value right now to other teams? And I'm about to say some names. People can get real mad, but you got to think about it. Nick, oh wait, he gone. <laughs> well, the guy they traded him for. Yeah, yeah, Craig Kimbrell. Kimbrell is that's that's someone of value that you can get rid of. And they they they, they picked up the option today, correct? Is the uh, no? Is that was Bob no, Zaney. That was He's just uh, Bob uh, Zaney. Oh, okay. That was just yeah. speculation. We're not picking up the option then. Oh, that's a. Not gonna <laughs> get it. Um, but well, no. Okay, wait. It actually fits into what I was going to bring up earlier. I think. I, I know the thought is, yeah, just pick up his option and then just trade him to a team that needs a closer. But then don't you kind of box yourself in because don't you kind of lose the leverage because the team can be like, 
bring your price down or keep using him in the eighth inning where he keeps fucking up and pay him $16 million. We'll wait. Mm-hmm. I don't think I see. I don't think it's such a slam dunk that you can just be like, "Yeah, we'll pick up the option and we can just trade him to whoever." It does. I, it, no, I agree with you. Although, when like, I, saw I don't that think tweet, it's some big guarantee that some fans are making it out to be like, "Oh yeah, we can just give him the option no, and then trade a, him to the highest bidder." That's a fantastic way. Because I mean, if I'm a GM of an, a rival team and I'm like, "Well, why am I going to bail the White Sox out?" Right. And here's right. the thing: the Sox could do that, but if you don't pick up. A big chunk of that salary. You know what teams are going to be asking for? They're going to be asking for whatever high price. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Thomas. Real, real quick, guys. I hate to interrupt. (laughs) Just wanted to shout, throw this out there. Just wanted to uh, um, give a rest in peace for um, uh, longtime um, Oakland A's broadcaster Ray Foss. He passed away tonight of cancer. Um, So just throwing that sucks. I just I can't say I'm familiar with any of his work. Fighting for 16 years, but today 74, he passed away. So pretty sad that he's been a guy. He's been on. He's been. I've actually been. He's been an Oakland A's guy, and I for some reason it just he worked with uh, a guy that I knew and sucks. Good guy. Cancer sucks. Um, Yeah. No, but and I agree with Alex in the comment though. Like. this all this Aloy talk could totally be an overreaction to a shitty end of the season, like one hundred percent. Really want to trade Eloy? Right, I know. The Cubs, we'll get, uh, so, we'll and his his up. defense improved exponentially. Like it's it's fine, but the other name that has been popping up, and I don't think they'll do it. I really don't think they'll do it, but it kind of makes sense. But I really don't think they'll do it, Andrew Vaughn. I don't think they'll do it because I don't I think, think the there's the. Jose Abreu is going to be 36 years old. So you move him to DH yep. and you move Sheets to first base. Mm. Because, because of a couple of weeks of Sheets, though? Like, Vaughn was pretty good for a couple of weeks, too. I know. I'm just saying, like... This, this is a weird thing to me because I don't think the White Sox need to trade pieces right now. I think the White Sox right now, the, the real thing, the reality is, when a team is this close, it's on the owner to open up his goddamn wallet and go just no, buy some shit. There's no one to buy, though. Get some milk for that cereal and eat some damn crap to Captain well, Crunch. That, I mean, that is the other point, Zoe. I think I saw this. I don't. I haven't looked it up. Hey. Maybe Alex already knows the numbers. Alex, if you do, put it in the chat. I think I saw that the White Sox, without doing like anything yet right now, like without even picking up the option for Kimbrel, mm-hmm. I think their payroll is like close to 140, 150 oh, for twenty twenty two. Um, I don't know if that was wrong or I'm like, no, I can are they going to add anyone? Because this, this, this is the highest payroll they ever had. Sox and the Dodgers, and that's all you need to know. Red Sox have a large payroll. The Dodgers have a large payroll, and it's potentially going to be Dodgers and right. Red Sox in the World Series. You got to yeah, spend. Like, we're talking about it's time, <laughs> it's time for Jerry to say, "Fuck okay, it, Mike." One getting one less, what, a little bit less than their inheritance. All right, all right, Let's hold, on, one more. hold on. We're talking over each other again. It's- I hate when we fucking do that. So, um, Alex makes a good point too. They'll most likely uh, they won't trade Vaughn. They'll sell high on sheets. They did that with Dane Dunning. Yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense to me too. Um, You got the one forty three five as the payroll in twenty twenty two as of right now. Look, go on the free agent tracker. There's not a lot of good there i mean no the here's big- the thing though right fields i think it's a name that's already been kicked around a little and you brought it up with like uh balancing the lineup you know who's a perfectly fine fit chris taylor from the dodgers i would go with that 
like perfectly fine. It's not like he's not like a slugger, but he'll he's a fine like hitter. That should bounce you guys out. Yeah. Uh, hold on, I'm sorting here. Uh, another name that's, (laughs) and I laugh every time I see this. Do you really, really think that Jerry would spend enough to get Marcus Simon back to the White Sox? You know why I'm going to say no, and then especially no, because who is the last free agent pitcher they signed to a big deal? Dallas Keigel. Dallas Keigel. Yeah. No, I'm. He's going to be like, "Hey, Rick, I let you, I I let you sign a pitcher to a big deal. Look what happened, Rick." Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck. But I mean, that's your best option as an infielder, though, is Marcus Seaman. Oh, wait, no. It's also your best bet of making a baby is Seaman. I don't so know. That, I confused. I thought you were saying Strowman as a pitcher. Oh, Seaman. I like Mark Strowman a ton. He won't play for Tony. No. Strowman, yeah. No, he won't. Strowman already <laughs> said he won't play for Tony. Yeah. He'll play for David Rossi. Yeah, but... Um, I mean, for... Yeah, Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the second base is thin. Second base is extremely thin. And you, you know what's going to make... You know what's going to make... Second base. The White Sox need a really good contact hitting second baseman that doesn't strike out a ton and is really, really good with two strikes. I know what you're doing. But, no, Marcus is the guy to go to. But you know what's going to be uh, tough about Simeon? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's going to go to like whoever he gets the biggest payday, but I'm sure he still wants to play shortstop. That too. And so, Tim's not moving. So right. So. That that pipe dream goes away. Carlos you want Correa, Jason Carlos, Carlos Correa is available. He sure is. I mean, we, we saw today in the DM that Alex Rude is big on Javi Baez to the White Sox, too. There you go. There you go. Have fun Second with that base. one. He all yours. Who stinks? I'm, I'm very confused at who Carlos got Correa. The, I think he's made two separate he stinks comments from Alex. Carlos mm-hmm. Correa does not stink. Carlos Correa is very far from stinking. Stroman doesn't stink, though, either. Does Liam Hend- Hendricks stink? No, he's talking about Liam Hendricks might be a recruiter for uh, oh. Seaman because he played with him in Oakland. She's like he he is posting like one thing at a time like right, three million stinks. Very, like, I went yeah. with. Um, what about the guy that Rick Hahn wanted, and then Twitter messed up the trade? Eduardo Escobar. Oh, Jock Peterson. Jock, by the way, mm, yeah, he's having a terrible. October. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck was that in there game, Jock? Yeah, I really don't. I'm not gonna do this again for like the hundredth time. Madrigal doesn't sink. You're very biased. I'm just ending it there. You can just <laughs> fucking let it go. I mean, there's no he doesn't. Sink. He hasn't even played a fucking full season yet, dude. I get oh, wait, it. You don't here's like the, the name. Guy. Here's the big name. You know who is a slugger, but isn't, but is it also a contact hitter? What for right field? Who can opt out? Who the Sox probably should have signed a few years ago, anyway? Castellanos. If he opts out, that's a no-brainer. I mean that would be fucking. He's glorious. gonna be he's gonna be the top like right field free agent. I mean they got something cooking in Cincy, not like the White Sox got. I mean, I fuck. I the would, Cincinnati Reds who didn't make the playoffs. What are you talking about? Castellanos has the Zoe will pick him up from the airport status. <laughs> like I'm talking even O'Hare during rush hour. Yeah, I, I think he's going to opt out because I think his deal was like four for 64, and he's already played through two years of that. So I think he's looking to get like, you know, 20 uh, a year. Yeah, well, uh, Sportech has him estimated at market value at 21.3. There you go. Yeah. 
Um, you know, Chris Bryant can play third base, and uh, Yon used to go. play second base, didn't he? I mean, Chris Bryant can play right field. Chris Bryant can play everywhere. Yeah. Chris could even be the groundskeeper. I mean, he knows how to rake. It's great. Um, oh, wait. Oh, here's a guy who can potentially be a free agent, even though I don't think he's going to decline his player option. Charlie Blackman. He's like 100, dude. <laughs> he's 35. He's only 35, so come on. In baseball years. That's, Stop, Joey. that's old. But I agree with Alex <laughs> on this one. He would be dumb not to – to opt out. I mean, you know, he's definitely opting out. He's going to opt out, but I, I think nice. he needs to opt out and look at the market. He doesn't need to do one of those things where he opts out just to sign the new paper in Cincinnati. Like, Hey, here's here. I'm cracking up by the way. Cause here's, here's cup fans. Here's cup fans in a nutshell. Why shouldn't we trade Chris Bryant? His agent, Scott Boris, Scott Boris is going to ask for the moon. Also, we need to re, we need, we need to go out and get Ryan Castellanos. Who's represented by, Nick, Nick Nicholas, or Nick Ryan Cass. Sorry, I coached Ryan. Sorry, Nick Castellanos. Um, also left by Scott Boris. So Castellanos is going to ask for the moon. Castellanos can't play defense, but the legend has been built. It's crazy, but here's the funny part: the White Sox have actually could have they could go after Castellanos and actually have a a fighting chance. The Cubs are going to have to overpay for Castellanos for a reason. And it's because of how they cross Scott Boris. I'm telling you right now, Scott Boris and every one of his clients will ask for a little bit more from the Chicago Cubs than they'll ask for anybody else. So the White Sox might actually be smart because I know Castellanos loves Chicago. If they go in there and put a little bit in there, they could probably turn his head a little bit if he does opt out and bring him in. But you know they're playing that game. He said all the right things. All all the Boris guys always say the right things, right? So, Castellanos. So, are you frustrated that it's going to be like it seems like this is going to be another off season, and the White Sox pretty much have the same question marks? It is frustrating. I mean, like sorry, this is the third like straight some... year of the White Sox need a right fielder. The White Sox. I know the magical came up, but it was like is magical the guy at second base. Now it's the White Sox need a second base. The man. right fielder thing especially is very frustrating to right. me because their answer to the right fielder was Adam Eaton. <laughs> like, don't forget that. Like, their answer to the we need a right fielder is Adam Eaton. The worst answer possible. Yeah. FYI, real quick shout-out to Joey Ricotta from Stuff in the Stat Sheet, a member of the IBWAA in the chats right now. What up, buddy? One of our favorite Cub fans. Shout-out, yep. Joey. Um, <laughs> No, so that that's to me the right fielder thing is even more frustrating because I've again I've said it on the show a hundred times. I think at the time the magical for Kimbrel trade was a good trade. At yeah. the time, obviously, oh, yeah. you know whatever. But I, have a I also thought I also thought Cesar Hernandez would be a very serviceable second baseman. Can, can I ask you a question about this though too? And we, Cub fans can attest to this too. Kimbrel does take a little bit of time to get acclimated to his environment and his new team. Cubs fans saw he was not great early with the Cubs, right? And perhaps do do you think that if you can see that pattern developing, do you think the White Sox might be smarter to let the guy get comfortable, or is it just the salary is just too much for that? Like to have a a setup guy with that much money, I, I do feel like I do feel like it takes that guy a little bit of time to get comfortable where he's at, and I feel like a midseason change, change he was dominant, he was lights out. Why? Because he was comfortable in Chicago with the Cubs. And then everything got pulled out from under him. Even if it's a switch across town, I think that he didn't look like himself. He was dirty Craig every time out because he was comfortable and everybody was used to it. And so was he. So do you think maybe perhaps the White Sox hang on to him and say, look, now it's been a little time. You're coming into the season. You're starting. You're going to spring training with us. You're going through the process. You're one of one of us, one of us. And all of a sudden, do you think maybe, again, you have that Hendricks Kimbrell 8-9, which is would be 
get the game to the get, get through seven I mean, to the lead, you're good. That's fine and everything like that, but like I don't know. It just sucks you trade for a guy mid if that's the case, they traded for a guy mid season to help with a playoff run that apparently needs a year to get fucking acclimated. Like that's you know what I mean? It's just but have it with the Cubs and the Cubs traded him. Um, I don't know as high as it would be if you waited a little bit to see if he's good. Right. I think there is no way you do that. No. <laughs> and the, the thing with Dallas Keiko is the only re, the only way he's off the White Sox is if the C, the new CBA puts a salary floor and somebody's like, shit, we got to get to the floor. We'll take Dallas Keiko's terrible. <laughs> and that's the thing. That's the no. thing. You're, liter- you're literally going to get nothing for Dallas Keiko. No. Oh, no, 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 no. You could get a couple of boxes of Big League Chew. Um, and then I don't know. There's the outfielder market is a little bit better than the second base market. Second base market. Is second fun. base market is uh, rough. It's, it's very bad. bad. It's, it's, it's very, very bad. Unless you, unless you count Javi as a two bagger, which we know that. There you go. He can't. I mean, Javier Baez is a better <laughs> defender at second base than shortstop. I mean, um... yep. And, and you know what? Javi is going to play second base. Because he wants to play with his buddy. Let's be honest. He's not going to sign with the White Sox to play second base. Uh, he's not friends with Tim yeah, Anderson. We don't have that relationship. <laughs> Come on. it's ha- Really, you think Javi's going to defer? Although Javi would be smart. He's a far better defender at second base in his career yeah. than he's short. He's, he's, he, may be, he could be an all-time great short second baseman. With this, what could he be, this is a random question, but this got me thinking about like a guy like Baez. Because like obviously, we know the highs and lows. But we know the defense, especially at second base. But... I saw. This, I think it was from uh, uh, what is it like outside the. Oh, fuck! I'll get the name later. Um, but it was a Cubs. It was a Cubs blogger on Twitter. Uh, I was like, "Fuck!" I'm so mad that I forgot the name. But he he basically did a poll question of what would you rather have as a team, just in a vacuum, a 100 WRC plus hitter, great defense at second base, or a 100 WRC hitter, good defense at shortstop. Shortstop to me, I think. Shortstop, right? probably. Don't right. you? I mean, so then, I feel that like was bas- I, that was basically like, would you rather have Nico Horner at shortstop or Nico Horner at second base? Well, I really think the Nico. I think people magical fucking little white boy crew they got going on it on the north side is going to be dirty next year. It, it's the fucking lollipop killed up the middle, baby. I love it. I love it. It's again, wait, there's nothing against Nico Horner. I, I hope Nico Horner like plays all over the field. I'll say mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I, I oh, Joey I mean, Ricotta, Ricotta makes a great point here. Look at this with Kimbrel, especially. You know what? You got that extra year for a reason. You paid a little bit more of a premium with Madrigal to get that extra year. Why? And you're taking the option. If you take the option, are you going to trade him immediately? Maybe not. But in July, and if you have other options that you can, they can fill that eighth inning role. You could always spin him after he's proven to be back to where he's at. But again, I look at Kimbrel and I think that a trade with Kimbrel. Anywhere Kimbrel goes after a trade, if he gets comfortable in one place, it's going to take him a whole half season to get comfortable somewhere else because that's where that seems to be the pattern. It took him a half a season to get comfortable with the Cubs, and it may take him a half a season to get comfortable because he wasn't great with the White Sox. He gave up. I mean, it's for I mean, well, against the Cubs, he gave up more than he gave up with the Cubs. But I, that's a that's a really good point. Is a sense that you could still have some capital. Like you need to get a bat. Well, we have Kimbrel, and oh look. Kopech figured it out. Kopech's going to take the eighth inning for us. Like you have a lot of good young arms too that you could say, yeah, expendable. And then you can spin that Kimbrel and get 
maybe a, a some sort of boost somewhere where you actually have that. Again, you don't know your void until you get to around the trade deadline. So um, the other thing that well, Zoe froze. That's pretty cool, though. And now, someone please screenshot that <laughs> the fake penis in his mouth. All right. By the way, shout out. It was Garden Jim. You're on. Out of the vines, who had that poll question? There you go. Now I'm not frozen anymore. Your guard Jim's going to put a straight up penis in your mouth. You're done. It's <laughs> awesome. Photoshop. Um, awesome. I know. It, it's, it's good stuff. Um, the other thing, though, that Alex has been beating the drum in the, the comment section, and uh, hmm? I agree with him, the market for a closer is almost worse than a second basement market. Like, the White Sox do hold the chips in that aspect of it. You know what I mean? Like there is they, no, they lot, do, they do. There is not a lot of available closers out there. Yeah, bummer. Bummer finished the year great. Delicious calves have great opinions. I mean, bummer finished the year great. I'm not I'm not too worried about that. I'm just more interested as to what it brings back. The farm system's absolute shit. So if it can help them retool a farm system that might be the way to go. Here's the thing, though, because the salary, because I think the only reason that I think the Cubs play, paid or did they? Did the Cubs like pay a pretty good chunk of Kimber salary this year? Mm. Or no? Mm, probably. Because here's the thing: yeah, we're talking about like, what, what, what? Yeah, Alex, get, get Alex. back to us. How much did the Cubs cover in that one? Um, if the White Sox, the only way that the White Sox are going to like get something good back is if again they take a good chunk of his contract. Yep. Mm-hmm. Why not just you? If you're, if there's already question marks about how much they're going to spend. And to his point, oh, I got an idea. I got an idea. Here's my idea: the Chicago White Sox trade Craig Kimbrell to the Philadelphia Phillies for Bryson Stott. Their minor league player of the year, who is a shortstop and or second baseman, is a switch hitter, another Vegas boy. We've talked about on this show prior to the draft. I remember I told you that he was a top 10, should have been a top 10 pick. was one of the best high school baseball players I've seen come out of Las Vegas. He is right now, I think, sitting at double or triple A. And he is, see Joey, (laughs) yeah, Joey knows. Bryson is a stud. And Maybe if you can get Kim, if you can, if you could pry him away, he'll he'll play up the middle. He plays anywhere. He's he could play the outfield too. I've seen him play the outfield. He's legit. And so there's my proposal: try and just rip him out. There is no way the Phillies. Him and Tanner know each other too. So him and Tanner McDougal can like hang out and be roommates because they'd be. But your first round draft pick. The 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 word that came out though was how much Dave Dombrowski. And for those of you don't know, Dave Dombrowski is the baseball, the president of baseball operations for the Phillies. He really wanted Kimbrel, and he likes to. He gets aggressive, put it that way. So Kimbrel for Didi and Stout. Let's go. I'd do that trade in a fucking heartbeat. Are you kidding me? That'd be fucking sick. But, I mean, there's things, there's options. And then the whole other thing, too, is do you give Carlos Rodon a qualifying offer? And, like, what do you do there? And there's there's a lot to do this offseason. There is a lot. Well, to ask Hizo, would you? Probably, yeah. I mean, if he takes it, it's 16 mil. I think he'll be all right. I think it's like 18, 18.4. I thought they, no, I thought it went down. 
I thought they tweeted out that it was coming down to like 16 something. Alex. Um, Alex? But, <laughs> <laughs> but if he doesn't take the qualifying offer, then they get the comp pick. So yeah. I feel like that's a fair value for him. He, I mean, that dude gave everything. Oh, here we go. MLB clubs have been informed that the qualifying offer for free agents this winter is set at 18.4 million. That's down slightly from 18.9 million last year. I know it went down, but for some reason I had 16 in my head, but still. I think that's Kimbrell's number. Kimbrell's option is 16 million. Oh, there you go. That's where his numbers are fun. (laughs) But I I don't know. I give, I think the White Sox should give Rodon a qualifying offer. And do you think he takes it? I think he takes it, right? Or, well. I think he'd be smart of him to take it. I think a lot of teams are going to be very scared of his injury history and his second half of the season. That's what sucks so much because that game four was basically Carlos Rodon's career in a nutshell. You saw the great pitching. You saw, like, the fire, the passion. And then you saw a guy who just just did not have it anymore. Is that real? What's Tim up? Anderson in 2021, ground balls hit to the left side, 121. Fly balls hit to the left side, eight. Well, it, that's why he has a high batting average because he dumps all those outside pitches to right field. Right, I that's, know. It's just, that's a wild stat to me. He doesn't. He that's. I mean, yeah, that, you take the good with the bad. That's why. That's how you get the 300 batting average, but the low slugging. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Carlos, if Carlos doesn't take it and he bets on himself, and he walks, at least the White Sox will get a comp pick out of it. But, like, what's hey, the rule on that? You have to get it. Once. <laughs> you have to get, like, at least $50 million? I think you have to sign for at least $50 million to get the uh, comp pick. I think Alex put that in the chat a few, oh, a few months ago. And I thought the qualifying offer was, was it lowered to, like, $18.2 million? $18.4. Yeah. $18.4? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think Rodon's going to do better than eighteen four, because I don't think anyone's given him a multi-year deal either. The Cubs. The Cubs thought that about Jake Arrieta after he had a really good little run there, and then he went somewhere else, and the arm went. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yep. So hopefully, uh, Rodon. How, how old is Rodon? Twenty-eight. I'm at Jake feeling his way around the. Uh, Carlos Rodon, 28, will be 29 in December. So a 29-year-old if he hasn't signed by the CBA. Well, that's too – everything that we're saying right now, every single thing that we're saying could be a complete moot point after this CBA gets done. I heard heard a thing, though, that, like, guys, they're going to get grandfathered in. So, like, it's not – like the like the qualifying offer thing would go away next year. Next year, yep. Like, it's same with – like, Shreve actually got bailed out by a service time thing. He's under contract and control with the with the Philly, or the Pirates next year too because of how they played his contract, which for him is a great thing because they actually owe him more money than the, the new CBA probably would actually allow him to like get on the open market. So he actually kind of like got weird saved. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of weird things coming out. Like some of the actually, I think the CBA is going to actually benefit the the players, the 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 minor players, not minor league players, but like the minor role players on teams that are on like these weird, like maybe these two year deals. It's going to benefit them a little bit. They have like at least they can go home at night and not worry like the CBA is going to screw up their ability to get a, you know, a job next year or whatever. And and we have seen the analytics play a role in 
kind of eliminating veteran relievers out of the game and bringing in cheaper, less expensive, younger players. The Tampa Bay Rays model. Fill that (laughs) void. Fill that void. And that's, I mean, Jason's talked about it on our show and he'll be on here. Obviously this off season, probably at least two or three times because he's, he's, he's ready to tell him to demand a trade. No, he's getting paid. Well, I mean, well, I mean he's still getting paid. If, if you want a lefty to get the righties out, why wouldn't you trade for him? But that's why. That's why. That's why. Um, I need him somewhere. Wait, what, to, what is this kind of about Larusa? Yeah, what? To Joey's question here: Do you guys think that that led to him pitching not much down the stretch? I know we had a lot of innings coming off the injury, but TLR made it sound like he could have pitched through it. Just from my experience with Carlos Rodon, I think he didn't pitch down the stretch because they were legit worried about his arm falling off. Yeah. No. Like, and I don't, I don't care what Tony says about how he thinks he can pitch through it. I don't care if Carlos says like, yeah, I'm good to go. Or I don't believe any of it. I mean, after the injury where he literally had blood in his muscles, because his Rodar. arm was fucked up so bad, like, Rodar. and he didn't tell anyone. No, yeah. he, it is so painfully no obvious. Got no because, money. Because again, Rodar. we're talking about a guy who's going to be a pending free agent. Of course he wants to be out there because especially in the playoffs, it's like if he just had like one great start and if the Sox would have lost, but he had, he shoved everybody. Would be like, oh. All right, here we go. Rodon, let's get him. He's, you know, he's, he's good. But no, it, I, I like, I, did he take the ball? <laughs> there is a, I was telling you guys, there is a reason he was shut down and they were like, we don't know when he's coming back. Right. We don't you know make, what he can contribute. We don't know make, how many innings he can throw. And especially in the playoffs, you have to know what you can get in the playoffs. They had no clue. Although so I think hurt. I think you made a really good point that I hadn't even thought about to this point until you just said it too. What if Carlos took the ball because he knew that the best chance he had to get the best contract in the offseason was to go out and carve, like you said, like shove. Even if he wasn't at hundred percent, he was like he was willing to take that risk, even yeah, if it I meant mean, he, yeah, no, unfortunately, that's... even if it meant the White Sox, if he didn't have it, for him, he's gonna get a contract this offseason regardless. But if he doesn't have it, the White Sox, the season's over. Did he yeah. take the ball for money and then get lit, which ended the season? I mean, I think the Sox knew that, though. It's not. I don't think this was like a selfish thing. I, the Sox okay. knew he That's wasn't one hundred percent. But I thought about that. Like, like, then why you let him go? Like, because the because Sox have because because you know what the other option was, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Our best friend. And Who, I mean, the thing with Rodon too, though. If you were watching game four, that first pitch he threw that hit 97, he like turned and was like, Oh, I guess I got that today. No, like he, he was like, He was no, throwing out of fucking shoes. He no, was throwing that out of shoes. He, he, he wasn't, was yep. he was trying to prove it. Yep. And then look at his second inning. Look at the velocity drop. It was gone. No, see, that, I think that, that was the funny thing. So his very first pitch, the double to Altuve, I think it was 92. It was later in the inning when he was yeah. hitting 97, 99. His very first pitch was like a 93-mile-per-hour fastball. Don't think that because, again, if you fight with Carlos Rodon on social media, people come for you. He doesn't. <laughs> he knows what people are talking about on social media about what he doesn't do. They were, he know, You know he knew people were worried about his arm being dead, so he had mm-hmm. to go show them. And that 97, that's like going out to like the – you know, like, I don't know if you, I, I guaranteed rate. I'm not sure if G, uh, guaranteed rate has it, but I know we have him here. Um, where you go to those minor league where they have like the fastest gun in the West or like the, I'm going to be some fast drinker and walk up there and just throw as hard as I can. And here's my velocity, but you walk up there and you throw three baseballs unstretched, having not thrown any tossing. 
You throw it like 47 miles yeah, an hour. Torn labrum. Yeah. And you're fucking, yeah, you're dead for a week. <laughs> like, you're, the old guy's like, uh, okay, I'm trying to type at work. I'm trying to type an email one-handed with my non-dominant hand. That you, I, He might have gone out there and said, let's just chuck it down his way. Let's go. And then he's like, oh, shit, nothing's left. <laughs> By the way, so I know this drove me crazy. I mean, I'm pretty sure it drove all White Sox fans who were watching. And this has nothing to do with players or anything. Mm-hmm. This is solely just on a thing that we all do it. We all do this, the, uh, you know, things that don't matter, but we think that matter. How crazy was it in that third inning that when Rodon was pitching that FS1 just suddenly lost the strike zone box? Drove me nuts. Drove I me was nuts. sitting there and, and, and I'm like, and if I'm so right yeah, and if I'm so right now, I'm like, was that a strike? I tell me if it was in the fucking strike zone or not. <laughs> yeah, I fucking I had to pull up uh, the MLB app so I can see it on there, and the ump was brutal. And some pitches that people wanted for strikes were definitely balls, and but like, yeah, I don't know. Does Korea jump on that high here the way he did? If it was ninety, I think wasn't it? Didn't they say it was ninety-seven? Well, he threw, he was ninety seven. I think he was yeah. ninety seven to Bregman. Uh, Correa said after the 99. game, he goes, "If he would have threw, he goes, I was a hundred percent. He went fastball, fastball, fastball. He goes, if he would have went fastball, fastball slider, I would have fell on my face because I was Back sitting, right dead, foot. I was sitting dead red. Back right foot. Yep. Yeah. He goes, I yep. was sitting dead red, and his sequel and Correa's first at bat they went slider, 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 and his second at bat they went fastball, fastball, fastball. Another another thing too, like I, I really do like. With the White Sox, is is it is it is Grandal calling pitches? Is Katz calling pitches? Because that you just made a great point. Like a hitter is actually going out there saying, "This is what I was looking for," and it's nowhere fucking close to what was called. So who is a not seeing what a good pitch caller sees, which is what are they guessing? And and you know. Who's like again? I just I got to know who's calling the pitches right now because who if it if it's Grandal that's a big fuck up right there because Korea he just basically admitted that had you throw me one wrinkle I was done. Nope, you you came straight with the fucking here's my balls. Let me show you. What are you trying to prove? And so who's calling those pitches? Who thinks that? Like who thinks? Here's that the that's- thing though. It didn't matter what you were throwing. Curry got hits both times. Oh. <laughs> he was on. And he's he was really on. Good that's what I'm saying. Like in both who's times. Yeah, no, they threw him. Oh, oh, actually, Kevin, again, another great point because uh, Steve Stone was also on, I think, with Lawrence Holmes. Again, shout out, great content on 6-7 score. One of the points he was making as well was, and you brought it up earlier, how the blocking, like just blocking pitches in dirt was terrible by Grandal this series. Mm-hmm. That at bat to Rodon, he, or to Correa with the bases loaded, two outs, he has him 0-2. Any other time, it has to be like bury the slider, slider right? Yeah. Or or and, or an unhittable ball up, up and under the hands. But, but here's the thing: I think, I think he did all that. Let's let him get to his point because I, I think I think Grandall did call a high fastball. Just Rodon didn't execute. He left it a little down. But Steve Stone was saying, "What has been Rodon's like like filthiest pitch all season long? The slide, the slider. back foot slider." And it, it, but Steve Stone was like. If he doesn't have the confidence with the runner at third base that my catcher is going to block it, I'm not going to throw it. And it's like, well, did that force the fastball? And then there we go. We saw it double, just changed the entire series. Whoever's calling fastballs to a fucking fastball hitting fucking team has fucking issues. The, that's the problem is you are better throwing Charlie Huff at age 78, throwing 
knuckleballs against this Houston Astros team than you are challenging them with heat. And that's the problem is whoever was calling pitches needed to get their heads out of their ass. This, this series should have been a crafty series. Bring in your thumbers. Bring in your dudes that actually throw off speed because these dudes sit and rip straight ball. And whatever it's a cutter, give me your velocity. They'll give you some production. That, and that's the problem that I'm having. I'm like, what, what are we going with? Like, what, what are the White Sox? Who's calling? Who, who decided that they were going to bang their head through a wall? Again, I, I look at this. Look, Lance Lynn shouldn't pitch game one. We're going to pitch Lance Lynn game one. This team hits really hits fastballs really well. Let's go in, in, a, in an 0-2 count. Let's go with fastball instead of off speed. Like, where is the connect with how you beat a team that it sounded like the broadcast team had a better understanding of what Houston does well and doesn't do well than, than, than the White Sox did. There's That's an actual issue to me, and that's not 100% of Tony La Russa. He's not the guy pouring over the data. Who's the data guy? Like, the data guy fucked up. And shout out to Adam Wainwright, dude. That dude's money in the booth. Oh, bravo. Amazing. Oh, yeah. He is oh, very good. God, As a Sox this. fans, though, I wanted to ask you, because I think it was especially game four uh, when they were talking about, you know, the cheating scandal and Tapera's comments, mm-hmm. and AJ... AJ wasn't like, or I think AJ's point was like, why would Tapera say this? Like giving, giving him the bulletin board material. And then Sox fans, like for like an hour, hated AJ. Yeah. <laughs> what um, were your thoughts on that? Uh, Shelly Duncan? Were you talking about Piers? No, he's the data guy on the White he's Sox. He's the data guy, yeah. Oh, What's oh, it? oh, I thought you were talking about the, the love interest from Cheers. And Shelly Duncan was literally hired to be the guy that translate what the data means to Tony La Russa. Was it that was his job. pitching coach's son? Or is that different? Yeah, no, that was his job. And to all the people, I mean, Neil, we talked about the shift earlier in the show. Like, we talked about this data stuff all in the beginning of the show. Um, but to talk about the AJ Przinsky stuff, like, I don't know. I It almost feels like someone at TBS or TNT, whatever the fuck network it was on, was like, FS1. yo, FS1, whatever. Hire like, them. Yo, like, we need you to not be a White Sox homer. I think, and, I think so, yeah. And AJ was like, all right. All right, but. And then he just <laughs> went, went the, the other complete, way. Like, huge exaggeration the other way with it. I think, and, no, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Again, but the, also, I think he had a point. Yeah. He <laughs> was. Do you think, I don't, do you think AJ would? Would, would pull that kind of move like with the White Sox and the White Sox fans knowing that like every single White Sox fan was hanging on every word of his specifically. Well, no, I think, has it that, uh, it, I, think, I think he had to be calling it as he saw it. Like he saw word, some stuff too, though. He's a good catcher. He's just a yeah. dick. Word on the street is he, uh, he walked into Shinnick's after game four, looked at the crowd and turned around and fucking pulled a uh, Grandpa Simpson. Gif with the hat, like doop 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 doop. I saw I saw the perfect tweet to that. It was like so much for the AJ will never have to buy a beer in Chicago for the rest of his life. It lasted 15 years. And 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 how about this? How about Chicago just shitting all over the new Bulls broadcaster too? Like Jesus fucking. I thought I I thought Adam did fine. Oh, I saw so much like shove it up your ass, Adam. Like oh my god. Here's the thing, man. Here's the thing, and this is one of the reasons why I was like, he's a bias. Here's the thing, and here's one of the reasons why I uh, kind of stayed off Twitter last night and after most of these losses. It's not because like, oh, they lost, I'm pouting. It's when people are angry, 
that their team lost, when people are mad about the result of something, they tend to say really stupid shit. Like no. even more stupid than normal. Mm -mm. On this, I disagree because you know what? I think that a lot of fans believe that their broadcasters should actually be homers. Yeah. And no, that's, I'm that's telling you right now, these dudes went to fucking school and were taught and actually believe in the field that they should be neutral observers and 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 actual people that actually like retell the story of what's happening. They're not there to cheer for you. In fact, it's against the journalistic code of ethics to cheer against the team you're covering. Especially they when you're doing they got they got they got they got Hawk Harrelson jerking off the White Sox and we got the Cubs got Harry Carey jerking off the Cubs. All Chicago fans think is that you're supposed to actually like suck your team off. No, a and good broadcaster is apathetic to your cause and says, fuck you. I don't give a shit what happens to you. This is the game. These are the numbers. This is my this is my anal like analysis. And that's what good journalists do. Boog or 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 Jason Bonetti. People are going to turn on Benetti one day because he's going to rip a stat out saying the Sox aren't doing what they should be based on what I've just read and researched. You know why? Because he does his job. And and you can show a little bit. You can play a little bit with the crowd. But in the end, these guys, their job, they these guys went to school believing in something. And as a guy that went to school believing in the same thing, they believe in objective journalism. You want opinion? Come to the podcast like this. Come, to, come listen to us fucking homer the shit out of it. But if you get a homer broadcaster, man, no. It's not we. It's them. It's it. Actually, it's it or the player's name. You the thing that people failed to realize was these guys were working for Fox Sports 1, yeah. a national <laughs> network. This was a national broadcast. Jason and Steve get paid by Chicago Sports Network. Hawk got paid by Chicago Sports Network. They are paid by home teams to do home broadcast. This was a national broadcast where they need to remain as unbiased as possible. I mean, ben, I even the locals, it's, it's still not okay. It's still not okay for local. Sorry. But you know what it is good okay for? It's okay that Frank Thomas puts on a White Sox hat and gives his opinion in the pregame show when they're asked their opinion about the game because they're the personalities. The actual in-game calling, especially for a play-by-play -play guy, hell no. Their job is 100% X's and O's, ones and zeros. It's 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 binary, man. It's you're not fans when you're doing that job. And I hate Joe Buck, but I don't think Joe Buck is biased. And I was I mean, pissed. That, at I was going to bring that up. This reminds me of like uh, all of Chicago, like or the majority of Chicago. Like as if you're a Bears fan in Chicago, you pretty much hate Joe Buck. Why is it mm -hmm. though? Because when the Bears play the Packers, what has happened like 90% of the time the last, you know, two decades when the Bears play the Packers? The Bears get their ass kicked. What, what does an announcer have to do in a game when a quarterback is tearing it up? He's going to say, hey, that quarterback looks pretty damn good. Obviously, we've, we've, we've had to live through that with like Brett Favre and then Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, you're going to hear a lot about that. I cannot believe, like, yes, and it does make it worse though, because it's Houston and the cheating scandal. So when when Adam Amin or AJ has to praise the Astros when they have to say Jose Atuve has had a great series, look at Carlos Correa with these big hits. They're gonna be, they're gonna, of course they're gonna, they're gonna, they have to say what's happening. They're not gonna say, they're not gonna be like, oh yeah, Houston. I mean, they're only winning because you know they're cheating. <laughs> It, you know, it's the same. Like, hey, look, the White Sox did not score as many runs as the Houston Astros. You son of a bitch! Like, <laughs> buddy, it's, it's it's the final score. I don't know what else I can tell you. Like, do you want me to say that the White Sox almost won? 
And like, I don't know that's how, the thing. How, thing. How, how can I word this? Like, this series wasn't close. No. Like, this series wasn't close. So it's not it like really it could have even been like, oh, you know, this was a hard fought. It was like, no, Houston, he just kicked the socks ass. It was as simple as that. Every so, game came apart in the fourth inning or beyond. Like, it really wasn't that close. Like, it, it, I hate to say that. And, but, but, and again, we've talked about the negative shit, by the way, a ton tonight. But we really have to cover the fact that, A, it's 2021, and this window is absolutely fucking wide open for the White Sox. Mm-hmm. It is, it's not sad. It, and I said this on a video that I posted the other night. It's not sad. It's disappointing, and you're unsatisfied. But the White Sox now are just they, – they've, they've been there, and they're looking at this now, and they're seeing why did they lose to the Houston Astros. Now it's looking like the AL road to the World Series goes to the Astros. You build your team from here out to beat the Astros or whoever, really, whoever is going to, you know, maybe the Astros look like next year. Right, right. right. But you build your team to beat these teams to get there. And uh, the White Sox don't have – they're not on this sinking ship where someone's trying to put whole, you know, their fingers in all the all the holes that like are leaking water. Like they're just – they're actually trying to just actually upgrade – a new engine. They're trying to find a, a, a better ore. They're trying to better a uh, sale. They're not, they're upgrading. They're not trying to per, like not lose. They're trying to actually go beyond a good and successful season and make it even more successful. They're taking evolution to the next level on a positive scale. They're not downgrading. And I think that it sucks to lose. We've talked about how tough it is to win a world series, but it's a great moment to be a white Sox fan. Even if you just got knocked out, like well, it's, I'm good. I know you are. I, there's, there's a lot of people that are like hurt, but it's like, guys, the wait till next year should be the most exciting phrase for White Sox fans right now in their vernacular, period. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I just, I said it as the, like the very first thing on the show. I'm not even mad. I'm just disappointed. It sucks, but there's, I can't wait to see what a full off season after the most, Major League Baseball he's played does for Luis Robert. I can't wait to see the adjustments Aloy makes. I mean, his defense, like I said, got way better. Like, how's Eloy going to look playing DH? I thought you said playing DH. I was like, yeah, sure. But Eloy didn't die playing defense either, so he survived. It looked actually like his defense got better. I mean, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of positives about this team surrounding this team. Are there question marks this offseason? You know what you're finally going to see? Yes. Hopefully, of like a a year of Michael Kopech being in the rotation. Mm -hmm. And And, and they actually actually have something to sell free agents on, too. You know, it's not – they don't have to sell free agents on like an idea of what might happen. Now they can be like, "Do you want to play with Luis Robert?" Do you, you know, want the, to, the look, what we got part, going here. I think it's like Dave made this point. Uh, at the uh, you know after they were eliminated, the White Sox, yes, they have the holes, but like the, 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 your superstars, you have your superstars. Like if the guys that are going to be superstars, you have them. You have Luis Robert. You know, you you have. I know Mancada had not the season fans expected. But, you know, we have a guy, Mankata had like a five war, or it was like a top 10 mm-hmm. uh, third baseman in uh, in 2019. You you have the makings, like you have your stars, you just need the right you know, complementary pieces. You know, you need the you need the right bullpen guys. And then, you know, obviously, you know, we talked about second baseman, the right fielder, balance out the lineup, but you have your it guys. I just need to find the right pieces to fill out the roster. 
Yeah. Then, like I said, now you can actually call up a Marcus Simeon and be like, yo, look at what we got going here. This is where you fit if you want to play second base. Like, yeah. Be like, be hey, unit. You, you, you won't be able to play shortstop, but we'll pay you a bunch of money to play second base and be one of the best, be on one of the best teams in the American league. Like, Dude, yeah. You want to fucking cruise to a divi- another fucking division title and like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you put him in that lineup at second base. Holy fuck, man. The same thing with like, uh, again, like Castellanos, like, Hey, Castellanos, you want to come, yeah. come hit 40 bombs on the South side? Make- yeah, you really don't even got to do shit in right field. Luis will fucking cover exactly. 95% of the outfield. Yeah. You just got to fucking that- hit. That actually plays well with Castellanos too, and the Duke could be like, "Hey, and plus you love Chicago, and Chicago loves you." He would be a huge hit with White Sox fans in right field by the 108 every fucking night, every fucking night. So, all right, guys, I gotta bounce. Uh, you guys got anything you want to final thought at this? Like Jerry Springer, Cub. final thoughts. I just, just want to say the word Cubs. Okay, so we, we talked about the Cubs. There we go. Um, they got a lot of shit they gotta do. Cubs has. Cool. That's another episode for another, for yeah. another week. Um, Cubs are going to be a pitching we'll do, machine the next ten years. Watch out! We'll have some. Uh, we'll have some guests on. We'll do a, a a full show dedicated to the Cubs offseason coming up. We'll get some um, prospects. Do Do we want to finish this off? Like any predictions for the playoffs? Uh, go Red Sox. For me, I really want to be Red, Red Sox, Sox. For Braves. Yeah, Cubs hired a GM today who's thirty-seven. Yeah, a, a lot of like from Cleveland, a, a scout turned uh, uh, like assistant turned at that age. He must hey, be pretty. Guy, get, get on the phone. What, what does Cleveland want um, Shane Bieber? He's probably he's a guy that builds pitching, so that's rock. Yeah. I get it. Cleveland rocks. Uh, <laughs> go, go Giants, by the way. So right, go yeah. Giants. Yeah, yeah well, Giants I would love a, a Giants Red Sox World Series. Would definitely be an MLB soggy dream because you got the whole uh, East and West coast historical franchises, great ballparks. I mean, they could, they would really hype that up. I just You're gonna have to the hate watching Yankee fans watch the Red Sox right. and they hate watching want, Dodgers fans. Yeah. And we Houston hate the Giants the because they used to be in New York too. <laughs> I want Houston to get fucking smacked. I like this Red Sox team too. By the way, I, li- I like the guys on this team. I think it's great team. Strange factoid, three of the four teams that will be playing in the postseason after this round will be teams that actually are from New York. Giants? No, no, no. Sorry, Red Rock. No, just Giants and Dodgers. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I but, thought it was – I forgot. It was the Red Sox, not the Yankees. Yankees well, the, in Boston, used to be Boston Braves, right? Boston Braves, correct. Yeah. But I don't know. I like the Red Sox. I don't know how far their pitching is going to take them. The pitching's definitely sus, as the kids say. Uh I would love for the Giants. I mean, I really don't have a horse in the National League race. I just you have a horse. Yeah, you I, love I, you love the horse that you rooted for the Cubs for. Yeah, I mean, I so, Zoe like was rooting for Jock. What are you talking about? Right, Zoe. No, I was more rooting for. Uh, <laughs> I was more rooting for Rizzo to be honest with you, because Rizzo was my dude because of what he did at the Children's Hospital while my brother was there and shit. Like I was sense. always down with Rizzo. Um, oh no, I'm, I'm a big Chris Bryant fan. I think Chris Bryant's a hell of a ball player. And I mean, obviously I've done 400 shows with you and I'm pretty sure we've talked about him every episode, <laughs> and, we did? I, but, uh, no, I mean, and I, I like the giants. I always liked the team that no one saw coming with a bunch of guys. It's like, it'd be, 
I would be hard pressed to name players on the Giants still. And to see Evan Longoria score the sole fucking run against Max Scherzer to that win a one nothing game Unreal. against the Dodgers. By the way, that was one of the best. That's my favorite postseason game I've seen in like three years. That I know it's a one nothing game, but I don't know how many moments there was like a ball that was hit where everybody like got to their feet. We're like, oh, Brandon Crawford. Is- no, Mookie oh, Betts. Mookie Betts thought he was- like tied the game, and then Brandon ah. Crawford just makes just. That let me just snatch that. Yeah, oh god, like it was in a six hole too, man. That was a that was that was we're gonna move, we're gonna move the mound, we're gonna move the rubber back a foot. We don't, we don't want that because that was fucking awesome. Sorry, manic league right now. Moving it was, it was a great game, and it was just yeah, that was great pitching matchup for game five. Two young, wait. I was gonna say, what's the pitching matchup for the? I think it's Logan Webb against uh, Urias. Urias. I'm sure you'll see Scherzer in some sort of capacity in that game if it's close. Make sure oh, you know what? Kind of bad. I'm coming the in. White Sox should trade Kimbrel to the Dodgers for Gavin Lux. Mm. Okay. They're not, us- they're not using him. Well, the Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> he started that game. I, we no, that's Pollock. Pollock. But they got Trey Turner. Oh. Wait, actually, you know, Kevin, that's – I'd do that if I was Sox. AJ Pollock is solid. AJ mm-hmm. Pollock, he's always been one of those guys that's just been solid. He's, he's just kind of been solid. injured, but he's solid. Fine. They can keep Kevin Lux. Just give us Trey Turner. You don't, <laughs> you don't fucking love him. You just met him. You don't love him. Send him to us. We will give him a home. That would be sick. Uh, <laughs> Would you uh, would would you do that if if he's like okay I'm coming but I have to play shortstop? No, because he's a better defensive shortstop. Oh, he's better than Tim. And he hits just as good, if not better. Right, but no. uh, you don't make that deal. Tim's <laughs> under a very team friendly contract. Don't get into that. I have to have all of it. You can't have well, all I mean, of it. I'll just say one thing: if uh, I can have fucking fun, need. dude, I can start need. joking around with hypothetical trades. I know you get really mad at this shit, but I'm just fucking around. I don't think the White Sox are going to get Trey Turner, dude. Why not? Me. What? Last question. Let last Your question, Zoe. Yeah, I get it, dude. I'm fucking around. Your knees. <laughs> oh, like you. I, yeah, I've seen you I get it. You look like shit. Like your knees look really bad. Are you okay? You can't Obviously, see this is hindsight, but if you could do it all again, would you advise Rick Hahn or whoever made the decision, Tony LaRusso, the pitching To not staff, sign Adam Eaton? Yes. Well, that one too. But when they did the Craig Kimbrell deal, looking back now, would you be like, hey, Liam, love ya. Craig's our closer? Or do you think it wouldn't have mattered? He would have struggled anyway. I really don't think it would have mattered. I'm not of that train of thought. Uh, I mean, they could have tried it a little bit more, I guess, but I don't think that would have mattered as much as people think. Well, you before know what we the funny thing is, though? Every player kind of says it did. <laughs> like, Adam Wainwright was like, and AJ Pruszynski, they're like, yeah, no, closers are weird. When you take them out of a closer or out of a safe situation, for whatever reason, they struggle. Jordan Miller, that's called the Jordan Miller argument right there. It's, a, it's, a, it's an actual scientific term. Mm-hmm. Shout out Jordan. Jordan. Jordan also thinks somehow if AJ Prasinski calls the game, the White Sox don't score. So oh, hey, so as a teacher here, I do need one last thing. <laughs> Wait, the White Sox don't score. They don't allow runs. They don't I need. Score. Oh, I need you to give a grade to oh, Houston. I need an owner grade. A, oh, but is he president and GM? 
Hong, or no, president, GM, manager, pitching coach, hitting coach grade for the organization. I got, like one grade for all of them? No, no, no. In the <laughs> school, so, so grade Gary. I, got, for oh, card, you, I don't and, got time for this go, shit. Go down, okay, no, go, no. go down the mafia, the, the mafia like blueprint that like you see on the Sopranos. Oh. They're moving Let's, let's, let's just narrow it down. Let's just narrow it down. Yeah, narrow, down narrow it down because I got to bounce. So this so, is like an hour okay, last, okay I promise, promise. Last two because I had him on the graphic. Oh, I have a date with a one-year-old. specifically. Do you want Tony Larissa back in 2022? No. Oh. Number two, do you want Frank Minichino back as no. the hitting coach? All right, yeah, there you go. Number so three, do you want Cat back? Who? Cats. Pitching coach. Yeah, I'm good with him. Do you want Jerry back? <laughs> no choice. No choice. You want Rick Hahn back? No choice there either. Hahn completely fucked this trade deadline. His trade deadline was not good. One for three. Do you, hey, do you want all the fame numbers? And do you want Kane guy back? Yes, of course. Okay. I do. <laughs> and I. Matty Mitch, you know I love you, Matty Mitch. I'm a big fan of yours, dude. You're a good man. People need to stop saying Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy is 110 years old. He's not coming out of retirement. We also need to spell it right. I don't care about that. (laughs) Kidding, Matty. Kidding, Matty. I love you. But he's not coming out of retirement. I see his name getting tossed around. for. He might come out of retirement for San Diego because it's San Diego. But He's like, what's his name from the Pittsburgh Steelers? What's his name? Um, Bill Cowher. Yeah, he's he'll come out of retirement for this team. No, he won't. Menachino can fucking he can bounce too. He's the fired. He's fired. Menachino's fired. His whole philosophy on hitting just didn't. Wait, 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 guys! I thought we all loved. Let's hit three hundred, not home runs. I did. Nobody hit three (laughs) hundred. That was the problem. It's a great idea. Luis Robert hit like four sixty in the playoffs. Da hit like three fifty seven. Look. You can have the idea, but you have to be able to coach it too. You can't just say this is the idea and not like yeah. actually give. That's not how you would in the play. Leads to it to like that's great. Like I love driving 140 miles an hour. I don't have a car that does that though, so I love it. But I'm not going to do it. A coach needs to be able to actually say this is my philosophy, but here's how I teach it. Like he hasn't taught it. Like it's not happening. His idea in his head, he could say it out loud, and the guys could go, "I'll try and do that," but. He's not actually looking at their swings and figuring out how to actually make it happen. And that is a problem. Good old Frank. All right, guys. Oh, As although I'm so, uh, Pinwheels and Ivy, make sure you are subscribing to the YouTube channel. Um, we're going we're gonna to do some things this offseason. We're going to get creative with it. We're going to have a lot of guests on. We're going to bring back, uh, we're going to try to have a guest almost weekly in the offseason just to keep things fresh if you will um should we do a running joke and keep inviting uh my sock summer and beef loaf but not chorizo <laughs> he was invited oh no wait but like now that because he couldn't do it now we oh. invite just them too. <laughs> <laughs> we could just keep uh we could keep doing kimmel He's and uh, what was it it was kimmel and uh oh, matt damon matt damon with Treasy. Every time we, we'll bring on beef, <laughs> and we'll bring on Mike Sus Summer, and then we'll when do it's segments. Turn, we'll just be like, segments. Oh, we're out of time. We're out of time. Sorry, bud. We'll just keep doing that to him. Nobody, <laughs> nobody tell, no one say this to them. We're gonna do this at least one time. <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> we, we'll like stop the stream and like have a backup stream to like start again. But we should be like, oh, we're out of time. We have to end it. And it's currently nine fifty p.m. on Wednesday night. If you're like, reminder, be over in the. Blackhawk Colorado game. It's already three to one Colorado. So reminder to follow, like, rate, review, all the 
yep. things with the YouTube stuff. And then what was a? Uh... Oh, never mind. I won't say. I won't go there. Shout out Tainted Glove. Well, that too. We're going live. Oh, we're going live. Hey, the Tainted Glove's going for our first live show next Monday night. So if you guys want to really embarrass Pete. Bears Steelers Monday Night Football. Wait, Bears? Playing the Packers. Packers weekend. Oh, they said next Monday night. Oh, okay, never mind. Like, yeah, well, this next, I guess. Is it this? Okay. What? Well, they play Sunday, but yeah. Yeah, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. too. Oh, good. That's early. Here. All right, so end of the show. You've been meeting too. Get out of here. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Close this shit up. God, we're, we're making small talk over here. <laughs> Later, guys. What are you doing Friday night? Free build of the favorites. We here for the latest. Yeah. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now. Wrigley or Gantee, so the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood. Discussions and interviews. Straight rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Take me out to the bar game. This is what you waiting for, yeah. You can put it on the